Good morning, church. Wow, you sound tired today on the day of rest. Good morning, church. Ah, it is good to be in God's house, amen? Amen, amen. I'm really excited. We are starting a brand new series this morning, and we're doing it in collaboration with the, the Lift Project for the next six weeks. If you will, please stand with me so that we may read from the Word. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters into the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. The word of God. Oh, please be seated. Ah, this is going to be an exciting next six weeks. I love it. I love it because we're doing in collaboration with having um, groups. And it's a magnificent way of us as a community to share some of the beautiful secrets that continue to keep the Adventist groupings, the Adventist people, the Adventist family living long and healthy. We don't just live long. We live long and full lives. Amen. We've got members, a part of our church, that are, are well into their platinum years, still living actively and fully um, because of our lifestyle and the things that we do. So we get a wonderful opportunity to share this this next six weeks. We also get to do it in the sense of in groupings. So you can be with people. You can gather up through the week. It helps create a sense of like a connectedness and, and, uh, and like camaraderie with each other. So this week, LSUC, that's us, last year University Church, last year University, last year Academy, the um, city of Riverside and Lifestyle Medical are all working together to do this, walk through this series these next six weeks. And I just think that's a, a beautiful thing. I, I can't wait to see what proceeds from this time together. Today, as we begin, I want to ask you, where is your heart? Where's your heart? Where's your heart today? Is it here in this space, excited and exuberant, full of life? Is it with your marriage that is struggling? Is it with your finances that seem to always come short at the end of the month? Where is your heart? The Lift Project's first week is about speaking positivity. 
because it affects the limbic system, which helps your quality of life. So when we talk about quality of life, it's imperative to ask, where am I right now? How am I doing? So I want to give you 40 seconds. I want to invite you to turn to someone and ask him, how are you? And share with each other. Go, 40 seconds. How are you? If you see someone new, please lean into them. If you're at home, have the conversation with those you're with. I'll give you another 20 seconds. 20 seconds. 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three. How are you? Where is your heart today? In our anchoring text, Jesus is confronted about his disciples not washing their hands. Verse 2, the Pharisees say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders. Why, why are they not following the code they're supposed to follow? So firstly, washing your hands, I, I just want to make this a public announcement. Washing your hands is a good thing. Amen? Please do wash your hands. In fact, according to CDC, if you're washing your hands, sing happy birthday. And at the end of happy birthday, that's the length of how long you should be washing your hands. So if you turn the water on and you go like that and you turn it off, it's not, it's not long enough. If you want to, uh, Happy Birthday is, is not a good song. Sing uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It gives you a little extra time under the water. Uh, my wife, who's a nurse, would like all of us to sing the Handel's Messiah while washing our hands. <laughs> washing our hands is a good thing. And maybe um, in this particular portion, most of us would say to the Pharisees who are complaining about unclean hands, amen, let's wash our hands, please. It's a good Good thing, but this wasn't about hygienic practices uh, of washing hands. This was this was more about an exclusionary purity practice that signaled to others around whether one was clean or holy or good enough to be a part of the community. And so, for the Pharisees to call this out is is for them to say, "Hey, your disciples aren't doing what is good and proper and right." Your disciples is acting the way they should not act, and it's, it's unbecoming of them. And maybe you should get new disciples because these ones are right. Or maybe you're at fault, Jesus, for not teaching them the right ways. Jesus gathers the crowd together and takes a teaching moment in his response that is direct in verse 10. Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. And, and the Pharisees are upset by this, and, and there's a, a little statement about being blind and following the blind and falling into a ditch. And then Peter says, uh, Jesus, explain to us what this parable means. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters into the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Has anyone stopped to think about that? Yeah, well, we're not going to today, so I just, want you, I just want you to sit with that for a little bit. Huh? The process, that's ha Jesus is putting this out there, the process that happens. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, 
fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But what to eat, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Interesting to consider Matthew as one who writes for and is a part of this largely Jewish community whose purity code and whose matters of the heart are both relevant to their community. For the heart and the matters of the heart is a major theme across the Bible, across these Jewish community. So is purity codes. And so they stand in the contrast. Matthew's community stands in this contrast. How do we deal with this? What, what, uh, what we have coded and should be done and, and the things of the heart. How do we process this? Firstly, the washing of hands before eating is indeed, eating some food with bread is indeed common purity law. And uh, it's derived right out of the Torah into a collective group of laws that was very familiar to the Jewish people. It was just the way that they dealt in their community. But secondly, Jesus contrasts this with matters of the heart, which the function of the heart in the Jewish understanding is for decision-making and, and where, where they come from decisions of desire. This is the place that anchors and pulls and drives and pilots their decisions of desire, of want, of, of life. It comes from the heart. Bruce Molina, in Social Sciences of the Synoptic Gospels, points out that Jesus' argument is based on first-century biology and social truism. Whatever one puts in one's mouth eventually is evacuated, and whatever is evacuated is unclean, is not unclean in terms of the purity rules. So here's something we want to come back to. I just, I just want to point it out. Um, when the, the, in the Jewish purity rules, there was nothing about the impurity of uh, using the restroom or what we would use in common language, potty, when we go potty. If you go potty, there was nothing in the purity rules that said that that was unclean. Fecal matter may be unseemly, uh, unseemly indecorous, and offensive, but it was not unclean, impure, uh, or an impure substance in terms of the purity system. But what came from the mouth came from the heart. And in the heart is the potential for magnificent, beautiful, wonderful, amazing things. The heart can speak life into the lifeless. The heart can breathe creation and creativity into places that once were just dull. The life of the heart is the life of the person. And also, the heart can also be the place that damages, that tears down, that harms, that kills, that is divisive, that has words of untruth and lies and deception. So this is a great reminder for us Adventists because we are people who prescribe to a dietary lifestyle. We have a code. And at times we forget what is most important. Even if you are not Adventist and you are here with us today, welcome to church. This is your home church. Amen? Amen. And if you're not Adventist, you'd know this about us anyways. Everywhere I go, if I have a conversation on a plane, on a bus, on a train, and, and I tell them I'm Adventist, one of the first things they'll ask is, oh, are you vegetarian? And I'll say, why would you say that? And they'll say, because don't you all have to be vegetarian? 
Isn't that part of your rules that you be vegetarian? And it's in those moments, uh, you know, I'm generally vegetarian, but I feel like I should order a big rack of lamb or some beef, you know. And what do you mean? I don't, I don't get it. But I can't because I'm mainly vegetarian. I eat fish like Jesus, but otherwise I'm vegetarian. And I just, it, 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 in, in my mind, I think, whoa, everybody gets that we're vegetarian. It's a part of our lifestyle. We, we have certain kinds of uh, meat and animals that we don't eat just because that's the way we are. And we want to pass that on to our children. When I had my kids, I wanted them to be vegetarian. Fail. This is how I knew I failed with my son, right? I told all my family, I said, hey, we're going to be vegetarian in our house. So please don't feed the meat. And my family was like, no problem. We went out to eat at a Greek restaurant. Sitting down to eat, my son's on the far side with my brother. And I reminded him, I said, hey, we're vegetarian in our house. He said, sure you are. <laughs> Started eating. I'm having a good time down here with my lentil soup because that's what vegetarians eat. I look down there and my baby son, just a mere baby toddler, is sitting on my brother's lap with a big, just a big long bone of lamb, just gnawing on it. I yelled out, I said, hey, I said, hey, we're vegetarian. And of course, in good Adventist fashion, my brother yells back, yeah, the lamb was vegetarian. <laughs> Worst one ever. We were on a cruise. We stopped the port. We went out to eat. I sat down with my daughter, vegetarian. My, my wife's sitting next to her. The movie Moana just came out. One of the cool little mascots was a chicken called Hey Hey. Hey Hey. It's my daughter's favorite. When that movie came out, she loved, oh, Hey Hey, Dad, Hey Hey. I said, she's okay, Hey Hey. They ordered food. My wife had nuggets, chicken nuggets, because she's unsaved. <laughs> I'm eating my vegetarian food. It's not very good. I look over and my daughter's chewing away at a piece of nugget. I said, baby, that's real chicken. She says, oh, it's chicken? I said, yeah, that's hey, hey. She said, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. And my wife leans down and says, but it's good. And she said, yeah, it is yummy, mommy. <laughs> and a part of me was like broken, right? Because I just thought, you know, I was the first vegetarian in my, well, my grandfather was vegetarian. And, and then I was vegetarian. I thought, oh, my kids are going to be vegetarian. And when I found out they weren't going to be vegetarian, I had to go to my room and cry. And be like, oh, Lord, why? I want to be vegetarians like me. Because, you know, not because it was going to save them, but because I'm Adventist. It's a part of my culture. It's a part of my, my, my experience. It's a part of my life. You know, I, I just wanted them to have the same kind of bridge with me that we can be vegetarians together where we would go and have tofu nights out. Now it's just me and tofu. <laughs> we have these Adventists, these things that we do. And dietary is one of them. We get real crazy when we go to restaurants to make sure that there are certain kinds of meats that hasn't touched our, certain kinds of flesh that hasn't touched our stuff, right? We'll order food and be like, hey, can you remove that piece of meat and put in uh, avocados? Avocados are good. But make sure the avocados uh, grew on a tree that was north-facing and that, you know, the water was organic. Okay, organic water, no preservatives. And, you know, and when they forget to do it, we lose our minds and rest. How could you? It was such a simple order. It's not simple for the real world. 
we do all this. And sometimes I think we're better at our dietary code than hearts of the matter. We're better at knowing what we should do and shouldn't do than living and practicing the ways of Jesus in the hearts. Could it be sometimes that we can eat the right things and still be horrible people? I think so. Now, praise the Lord, I'm part of a church who eat good things and who are good people. But too often in our church, we have traded out caring and loving people for our comfort, for our culture, for what makes us feel most safe and, and, and makes us feel so good. Now, these Pharisees said to Jesus, hey, your disciples are doing something that feels very unsafe to us, very uncomfortable to us. It's not a part of our code or our ritual. And Jesus points them back to the most important places. It's not the culture of who you are or the code that makes you comfortable. It is the matters of the heart that tells whether or not you are doing what is right. It is matters of the heart, where it comes from the heart that tells us as a church. This is how we, we take the temperature of whether we are a good church. Not whether someone has written some scathing uh, uh, disinformation stuff about us. Not, not what people are going to say uh, from our sister churches, who are amazing as well. Not, not from the rest of, of Christianity, but, but what are we doing, even as it is weird and different for us, that is the heart of Jesus. So, Jesus draws them back in. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't like being drawn in as we do. But Jesus draws them back in. The heart in biblical times or today our limbic system is a powerful place of motivation and resolve. Jesus draws them back to this place of decisive acting and living. Jesus draws them into a place where one can manifest goodness, not harm. Where one can, can, can manifest life, not death. Where one can build and not destroy. If coming from the heart, the things that are being put out are to destroy and to tear down and to hate, it is not from Jesus. If you want to find out whether or not we are a church after the heart of Jesus, ask, do we love the way Jesus loves? Do we act the way Jesus wants us to act? Do we prioritize that among our own comfort? And if the answer is yes, then I think it is clear for us to say we are following in the ways of Jesus. New life comes from this place. And so Jesus takes them there. He calls them back to the matters of the heart. And he points out that it is the heart that is the strongest agency of decision for how we can live better lives, more full lives. In fact, in Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. 
Samuel tells Jesse, look, I know you got some handsome sons. There's some really tall sons. There's some amazing sons. Some of your sons are really strategic. God doesn't want any of them. And this is why God doesn't want any of them. The Lord has seen their appearances and their height, and I have rejected them. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Notice that God looked over all the attributes of Jesse's sons, but it was David's heart. It wasn't David's height. It wasn't David's uh, strategic ability. It wasn't David's uh, um, um, good looks. I, I, in fact, I think the word doesn't even call him good looking. It says he was, a, he was a plain young boy like that, right? His contribution, his attribute that God chose was a heart. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes, Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In Psalms, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Ezekiel, when the people are about to be brought back and God speaks through his prophet to the people, Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and put on a new spirit in you, I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. New life comes with a new heart. The life of the community begins to beat again when the heart of God is at the center of their living. God is returning and blessing them with a new heart, a strong heart, a clean heart, a positive heart. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart? And what can we do to nurture a more full life? How can we stimulate more joy and happiness in our lives? What can we do to create uh, a better us, a fuller us? How do Adventists lean into this? What is one of our great principles that, that we, we have that creates a blue zone kind of environment? How can we stimulate more joy and happiness in our lives? If indeed it is the heart if indeed our, our limbic system creates a sense of happiness and joy, what can we begin to do to live out that fullness and that joy? According to Dr. Darren Martin, Morton, the director of the Lift Project, research studies show that just about 50% of our happiness comes from genetics and life circumstances. Uh, just, about, just above 50% of that. Uh, the other big portion of our life, that comes from choices that we make. Choices that we make. How do we live out our life? What has been your practice for your heart? What has your heart said about you and about others? What are we doing with that almost 50% of our heart? How are you making choices? Do you choose to be negative? Do you choose to be divisive? Do you choose to gossip? Do you choose to tear down? Or with that, with that almost 50% that can help our lifestyle? Do we choose to be positive and good and, and, and speak life and hope into the spaces that we're in? What have you been practicing in your heart? What have you and I, what have our hearts said about us and what have our hearts said about others? Believe it or not, if we train our hearts to think a certain way, it will pour out into the rest of our lives. This is what Jesus was telling the people. How do we train our heart? How do we care more? Well, it starts with us working on having more positive interactions. Turn to somebody and say, be positive. 
Now, this is not fake positivity. I, I don't want you going out of here and pretending like your life is perfect. The truth is we're human beings and we all have circumstances. Life is not easy. Life doesn't give us all the, the, the perfect bowl of fruits. There's going to be some rotten ones. There's going to be some, some half-eaten ones. It's just the way life is, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that we should be uh, fanciful and pretend like everything's good. What I am suggesting is that we do decide in our hearts that through every circumstance, we will dig deep and find some hope and goodness. We can do that. That's a choice. We can choose to, to look down beneath the surface and, and dig down as deep as we need to to find where goodness lies. What, what positivity is there in this space? Then we need to be able to speak that to ourselves every day and then speak that into others' lives. Take moments to compliment someone. Oh, man, I can't tell you how important it is to compliment somebody. When you see someone doing something that... That you just feel like, hey, that's a great job. Don't just think it, say it. Don't just think it. Hey, someone's listening. Say it. Call it out. Especially if it's someone who you have less good interactions with. According to Professor John Gottman of Purdue University, the ratio of healthy and happy relationships, the magic number is five to one. I, and I think the people have kind of uh, moved here and there about what number exactly it is, but you need to have five positive interactions with one negative interaction. So if, you're, you know, if you've been having a tough time with someone, it's time for you to give them more positive feedback. Find something to compliment and to say that is right and that is good. Pour into their life a little bit more. Dig past the annoyance because the annoyance often is what stops us, right? When we get annoyed by someone, we're like, I, 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 can't, I can't stand that person. And then the minute you say that, you begin to list off the things you cannot stand about that person. And if somebody happens to be there, you two will start going down a rabbit hole about why that person's annoying. And then we see that person, and then we begin to play out all the things we've just said about that person. It's time for us to find positive, good things about people and then share it with them. Share it with your partner, with your husband, with your wife. Share it when you're tired. Share it with your roommate. Roommates need it. Roommates aren't like siblings. Siblings are people you don't choose that have to be in your life. Roommates are the people that somebody else kind of chose for you that you have to live with, but they're not your blood. And so sometimes as a roommate in your dorm, they may annoy you, and that's okay because we're human beings. But find time to care and give them words of positivity from the heart. We need to begin to churn goodness. Churn goodness for yourself. When was the last time you complimented yourself? I want you to take a three seconds right now and think about something positive about you. Go ahead. Think about something positive about you. What's one thing that you like about yourself? Go ahead. <laughs> You're starting to smile for no reason. Look at you. Because you just thought of something that's positive and good about you. Absolutely. You need to have these kinds of moments every day where we stop and we pour in a little bit into our heart. As you stretch this week to grow a more positive heart, take time every day to absorb genuine compliments to yourself and to others. Guard your heart against evil, against negativity, against lies. There are many in our world speaking untruths and hate. Guard yourself from that. 
We must stand out and combat this. As Paul states in the book of Corinthians, love, faith, and hope. But the greatest of these is love. This week, let's fill our hearts with positivity. Now, go ahead, Ben. Come on up. As we transition, um, if you have not joined a group, this is a good time. Get into groups of two or more for the whole week, six weeks. Maybe you've got a duo, somebody you, you love to hang out with. Maybe it's your, your life partner. Maybe it's your uh, best friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Create a group, two or a trio or more. And then there's groups that have already been formed across our campus. So maybe you don't want to form a group, but you'd love to jump into one. There's a great way for you to do it. You can go right onto our Lyft page and find a group that's meeting through the week. Jump into that group. Hang out for a while. See what it's like. Do it with your family. Or if you're a group leader, do it with your family group from the campus. This week, we want to be able to stretch and grow and learn to live the fullest lives we can live as a community. Be well.